Hello, hello, and welcome back. Welcome back to commentaries. Crane kick commentaries. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I am Jake Del Mastro, and I am joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello, how are you? Doing good, doing good. You ready to talk about Goldfinger? I am ready to talk about Goldfinger. Where did you want to start? So last time we talked about, like, the background of James Bond and... Uh, you know, Ian Fleming and all that His nonsense. Antics. Yeah. 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 Um, so this week we're actually going to talk more about the movie, uh, and the making of the movie. Um, but I figured why don't we start by, cause we were just listening to it. Let's just talk about that music a bit. Yes. Okay. It's so good. Yeah, it, it is really good. I mean. I feel like, you know, it's a it's a reasonably high bar to be, you know, a James Bond intro song. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the songs that set that bar. Exactly. So, like, um the 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 soundtrack was generally done by composer John Barry, and the title track features uh vocals by the legendary Shirley Bassey. Yeah. And, um, is it Basie or Bassy? I, I want, don't know. Actually, I want to say Basie because it's like music and like you know, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> that I could think be it might incorrect. Be Bassie. I think it uh, might oh, okay. be Bassy. I'm not sure though. And you know, the guitarist Vic Flick, who also did the original, uh, the original James Bond uh, lick. Yeah, the you know this thing. There's your your Vic Flick action there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a few fun facts about this soundtrack. So as we know, Vic Flick was not the only guitar player on that soundtrack, correct? No, no, there was another guitar player. I believe it's pronounced Yimmy. <laughs> so James Patrick Page, <laughs> also known as Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin fame, you know, um yeah. he played guitar on the soundtrack according to his buddy John Paul Jones, also who of Led also, Zeppelin, yeah, who also played on the soundtrack, <laughs> who also was playing bass on the soundtrack. So yeah. That's that's, that's really interesting because this is obviously pre Led Zeppelin. Uh, was was this Yardbirds era? Uh, I don't know. Let's find out. Yardbirds. When did they form? They formed in 1963, but when in 1963? Right. Is it late May 1963? So mm-hmm. yeah, I think they would have just just been a thing. Okay. There you go. So yeah, just uh interesting fact, you know. British session musicians uh working on a uh British soundtrack, you know? Yeah, and on top of that, there it was um there wh- wh- which was it the 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 main theme was produced uh, by the, right, none other than you know the, George Goldeneers Martin, the fifth Beatle, 
the fifth Beatle, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you don't know who George Martin is, George Martin is obviously famous for having been the producer of, I think, almost every, if not every Beatles recording. Yeah, I'm not sure. It might be every. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's every. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, often known as the fifth Beatle. Uh, sorry, I, 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 we, I think we incorrectly introduced Sir George Martin. Yeah, Sir George Martin. Not at the time, though. He was not at the time, but you know, I, I yeah. think even retroactively, you are supposed to say that. Uh, okay. I mean, there you have it. There's not really much to say. It's a bunch of legends involved. <laughs> bunch of legends involved. And I think it was like pretty successful. Like I think John Barry it was like one of his most successful soundtracks. Right. And yeah, also I I would say that like this is the most well known Yeah. Probably the most well known Bond song. I don't know. Yeah. I mean maybe Skyfall now. Yeah, Skyfall, right, you know. That was Adele, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, maybe. Maybe. But that's only because of recency bias. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like talk, we'll talk about it again in another fifty years. Sorry? We'll talk about it again in another fifty years. Exactly, yeah. Um, pretty pretty classic soundtrack. Yeah, legends all around. Exactly. I would I would say George Martin qualifies as an absolute legend. Oh yeah. You know, Undoubtedly. obviously, uh, fucking Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones are uh, <laughs> no need to get into that. Their Al- although status. I will say that 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 Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones appear to be un- uncredited. It is. Or at least Jimmy Page's. This uh, this is only based on John Paul Jones's saying, so that they were on the soundtrack. Yeah, he 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 claimed that they were on there, so maybe he he could be misremembering. Well, he he was asked that in a in a uh, um, in a Rolling Stone interview, were you on the soundtrack? He said yes, and so was Jimmy. Right. So I mean, yeah. There you have it. Presumably they were. I, I, I see no reason to cast doubt on it. When was the article written? Uh, I don't 2016? know. 2016? 2016. 2016, yeah. So, I, I, so, I see no reason to doubt that, that that's true. I don't know. There's memory. There's a lot of drugs between those two. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess, maybe. <laughs> Probably more so Jimmy Page than John Paul Jones, but yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. Anyway, before this becomes the Crane Kick Commentaries Music Podcast, <laughs> we should probably move on. So let's let's we'll go straight into the production now. Um, okay. So, so the first two James Bond films, Doctor No and From Russia with Love, um. They were very successful in England. I don't know if we mentioned their budgets. Um, but I don't know were, if we did, yeah. But they were both pretty low-budget movies. Um, mm. Both under a million dollars, maybe around a million dollars. Which I really? Mean, for the time, I suppose it's like... It's still low-budget, but it's... it's. I mean, I have the inflation calculator open. We can figure that out. Figure it out, yeah. Let's find out. Okay, what's the year? It was the first one was 1961. Yeah, how much money? A million bucks. Just I think it was like 800 plus 200 for marketing. That's eight 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 point. Sorry, eight 
eight. No, that can't be. Oh no, eight, eight, eight point seven million. Yeah, eight point seven million. Yeah. So look. Go so look that's up still the, pretty uh, cheap. Look Sorry? up the uh, the uh, 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 budget for the most recent James Bond film. Oh yeah, obviously. What was the most recent James Bond film? Spectre. I don't know. Yeah, is it Spectre? Look at well. Look up for Spectre at least. It's recent enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Sorry. 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 Is Spectre honestly the most? Jesus, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a while since there's. I mean, a while being like you know, six years. No, I think there was a more recent one than Spectre because Spectre was the Adele one. No, Skyfall was the Adele one. Oh right. So yeah, it must be Spectre. All right. Anyway, Spectre was. Was two hundred forty-five million dollars. So yeah, a lot more. So there you go. Yeah, like twenty times more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the so yeah, Spectre was the last one. Yeah. There's one All coming right. out in twenty twenty-one. Is there? Yeah. Is it no. gonna have Daniel Craig in it? Yeah, it's. I thought like, I the last he's, two he's were gone. supposed to be his last ones, weren't they? Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, um, yeah. So the, what we were talking about: the first two films were very successful uh, in England, but they wanted to, you know, break into the American market, which they hadn't really done. The books had more so than the movies at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, broken into the American market, uh, so you know, they needed to make a movie to to tap that. Um, right. So. So you get, I think, I think it's the same scriptwriter, Richard Maybaum, mm-hmm. for the first two. I'm just gonna make sure that that's uh, correct. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is correct. He he wrote the okay. first two. Um, so he writes the script, and there's a few changes uh, from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I that stood out to me was that in the book originally, apparently, Goldfinger is supposed to steal the gold. Uh, He's supposed to, to what? Just, He's supposed to steal it as opposed to just... From Fort Knox. Yeah, from Fort Knox as opposed to just irradiate it. He was actually going to... Okay, presumably they did the back of the envelope calculations that James Bond does in the movie. Exactly. That's preposterous. Yeah, exactly. That's ridiculous. It would take two weeks. Yeah, exactly. So they they bring in another guy named Paul Dan to do a treatment. Apparently Sean Connery didn't like that treatment. So uh Maybaum comes back. As we know, this sort of thing happens endlessly. Endlessly, absolutely. Um but in the, the this book I was reading, um it, it said com- like comparatively to the first couple of scripts or or the first couple of movies. Um this one was the first one that was written kind of tongue in cheek um mm-hmm. and it was kind of like uh it was a departure from the 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 book james bond right and uh, you know and the movies continued to get more and more preposterous afterwards yeah, exactly exactly thunderbolt <laughs> uh, up until the point i guess when daniel daniel craig came in yeah like it, this movie's the first movie like james bond is like straight up indestructible yeah like like the 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 closest he gets is that like laser scene yeah where it's gonna like you know but then he's just like you know operation grunge slum <laughs> yeah he just talks and they're his like way out okay whatever 
pretty yeah, easily. You know, you probably overheard that, but we can't take the chance. And, you know, then he's like, well, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And and they were trying to be funny in this script. Like, they put that scene in the opening with the bird on his head. Yeah. Like, they, they just wrote way more jokes for him, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Ian Fleming James Bond was particularly funny. I think he had, like, you know, slick one-liner, like, throwaway one-liners. Right. But I don't think he was, like, cracking jokes all the time. Right, okay. Not that, not that James know, were Bond the, were, were the one-liners as, like, fucking gross as they were in this movie? Uh, probably not. Maybe. <laughs> I, I Like we said, we've never read the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and then, you know, also just the scripted basic shit, like update the, like originally that laser that uh, we were talking about is, um, it's just like a buzzsaw in the book. So, you know. Right. Yeah. They make it a little more interesting. Um, yeah. I imagine as, as they went ahead, they had to keep updating them. Like, especially like fucking Moonraker or whatever, like, uh, yeah. I'm sure that the the book dip version was much different than the movie. Yeah, I bet. I don't, yeah. I think, so the first two movies were directed by Terrence, a guy named Terrence Young. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came time for the third movie, uh, Terrence Young wanted a percentage of uh, ownership or whatever. Yeah, and they were like, fuck salary. that. Yeah, they were just like, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they fired him. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> you know, fucking fucking creative people want like a fucking cut, you know. Fuck that, you know. Like, you cut. know, like it's successful, and we've got a he- a much bigger budget now, and he wants more money. The audacity! <laughs> yeah, we could easily fund somebody else, right? So they did. Right, they hired <laughs> Guy Hamilton. I see, Guy Hamilton. Like, he did a lot, a lot of the movies afterwards as well, right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. stuck around. Um and he did like some similar kind of stuff before James Bond. So he was like pretty right for the role, I think. Mhm. Um, what what did he done before? Um let's I know see. at least one movie he did afterwards. Okay, he, did, he did The Ringer was his first movie. Mhm. Intruder, Inspector Calls. What movie did he do afterwards? Oh, well, the Battle of Britain, because it was mentioned in Six Degrees. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, of course. Um, so he did he he did uh, three other Bond movies after Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so they start filming uh, January of 1964, um, mm-hmm. and they start in Florida with that hotel scene, which is a great introduction. To goldfish. Yeah, so they actually did go to Florida to film that. Yeah, they filmed it like because they've got that helicopter shot of the hotel. I forget what the hotel right. is called. It's not not important, but yeah, um, I feel like they wasted their money. A little bit, huh? Yeah, cause, well, because the interior. There's very is... little about that shot that is like very Florida. Well, because the interior with like because so when they go to Miami, they don't have any of the main cast because um, Sean Connery's shooting uh, uh alfred hitchcock movie um, right and uh gert how do you pronounce his name again i i, I think you'll find it is pronounced get Fru- fruba 
one more time. So. Fluba, because there's a fucking umlaut, and that's how umlaut. it goes. Yeah. So he was busy as well. So it's just the crew um, and the guy who plays Felix. Um, they fly to Miami, and they do that exterior helicopter shot um, mm. where a guy named Al Coffey dives off of the diving board. Right. Um, that's all I could find out about Al Coffey. <laughs> <laughs> I I was kind of hoping he would be like a, a diver, and I was almost thinking about doing the truth, <laughs> like based on his, right. But him, it but turns out that nobody knows anything. No, nah, that was the only dive he did. <laughs> mm. That was notable. Um. But yeah, so they. But that, that, like you say, it seems like kind of a waste because. Yeah, because then they do the rest of the scene, clearly with the two main cast members. And it's like, it's in a studio. Yeah, so why don't you shoot the whole thing in the studio and then just get some stock footage of somebody flying over Miami? Yeah, it seems like a real waste of money. Why fly the whole crew to Miami? I don't get it. So yeah, and then then, then this is like the, you get your mascot for the film too, Jill Masterson or whatever her name was. Yeah, Jill Masterson. Who gets coated in gold by Goldfinger. Yes. And she dies because of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and they say that she dies of, quote unquote, skin suffocation, right? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, because, um, yeah, circus performers, they have to leave a little patch at the base of their spine so as to let their skin yes. breathe. So... You know, <laughs> if you were wondering if this is a real thing, it's not. Yeah, I mean, skin suffocation sounds a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so it... I actually looked into this. Um, so like, there, it's not great to like cover your entire skin because well, it's toxic. It, it like leaches in. Well, also, like, uh, you might get heat stroke because it prevents you from being able to sweat. Right. But, yeah, like, you breathe through your mouth and nose, so it's like... Skin It's pretty odd, the idea that you would suffocate through, you know... Yeah, and, like, the whole thing that throws it off is the leaving, the like, patch free at the base of the spine. Like, what? Well, yeah, it's, it's just bizarre because, like, they talk about it like it's a real thing that, like, you know, oh, all these cabaret dancers do this anyway, right? But it's yeah. just something they completely fucking made up. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> like, why couldn't he also just have poisoned her? And then painted her gold. Well, no, because the painting with gold has to be the way that he killed her. Because he just loves gold. He killed her with gold. He had to kill her with gold. It, I feel like it would have made the exact same point if he had just painted her gold after killing her. I don't know. He just loves gold. <laughs> so the next thing they do... Because uh, they still don't have their actors, so they fly down to uh, Fort Knox um, to 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 get some get some shots. Um, mm-hmm. They got a firm no, 
in terms of filming at the the treasury. Right. Yeah, you know, because naturally I assume that that is a restricted area. Yeah, yeah, that was a... You know, specifically to prevent thugs like Eric Goldfinger from, you know... Breaking into Fortnite. Getting in there and, Irradiating the gold supply. Irradiating all the gold. Yeah, so... But, however, the the army was quite interested in helping. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And they, Albert Broccoli or something, was friends with this old retired general or something. I forget. Um, but he, he, I forget what his name was, but he was their guide, basically. Mm-hmm. So they went down to Fort Knox. Uh, yeah, and they got all the aerial and ground shots with, like, all the troops falling asleep. And those were real troops. They had access to real troops. Those were actual, real troops? Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. That's kind of cool, because I thought it was interesting when they were doing it. It's like... How in unison everybody just falls over. Yeah. Like, that's actually a really great scene. Yeah. It it really looks good. Flying over. So, is that actually at Fort Knox? Yeah. That whole sequence with the airplanes flying over and uh, all the soldiers falling over is all all shot at Fort Knox. But it's not actually at the actual depository, is not shown. No. Yeah. The actual scene at the depository was done, was shot in the UK. Right. Yeah, presumably because I'm sure they can't let any cameras anywhere near there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was definitely a no-go. Yeah, they, they don't want to, like, show everybody, like, yeah, this is how you break into Fort Knox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is where all the doors are, and this is how to get into where the gold is. Yeah, the one thing, though, that I was a bit confused by, though, is that when they explode that gate, mm. I don't, I'm not sure how they did that. I was trying to fi- figure that out. What, you think he... they didn't just use actual pyrotechnics? Well, I don't know. It, it, I guess, but just would they have let them do that there? Well, that probably wasn't at Fort Knox. Right. That was just some building. But the, but yeah. there was like this whole ex- big exterior shot of like the whole area around it. It looked like an army base. It was weird. Right. But it might have just been a different building. That... Yeah, I think it was probably a different building. Yeah. Because didn't they rebuild, like, a section of it to make it look like Fort Knox? Yeah, well, so the production designer, who had been the production designer on the first two movies as well, I believe, is a guy named Mm -hmm. Ken Adams. Um, And he he did some pretty good work in this movie, I think. Um, Well, didn't uh, Ken Adams work on, like, a ton of James Bond stuff? Yeah, I think he was, like, the long-time production designer. Let's mm-hmm. just find his some information about him. What? <laughs> That's so weird. I just searched what? Ken Adams into Wikipedia, and I don't know something. It, it's, it's Ken Adam. It's not Ken Adams. Right, my mistake. I think that's the confusion. Well, anyway, somehow I'm on the Wikipedia page for Joey Tribbiani, <laughs> <laughs> redirected from Ken Adams. <laughs> I did. Is that what does that mean? It just what means, is the crossover? That's his alias. That's his alias okay. in the show. I, <laughs> I don't remember that, but okay. Oh, Ken Adam, notable for also having worked on Doctor Strangelove. Oh right, that's right. Yeah, very similar vibe. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Definitely. I mean, yeah. He turned down. What two thousand one? 2001 yeah presumably because that would have been a huge commitment and people have want time to do other things 
Yeah, anyway, so he builds, um, Ken Adam builds this massively impressive Fort Knox uh, facade and interior. Right, so so presumably that's where they did the, the blowing up the gate at the facade. No, because it was that was in the studio. So like the scene where they're like, um, like they blow open the. So I'm not talking about you know when they open the door with the laser. No, no, I know that part. Yeah, that, I'm saying we... that's in studio. That's the that's what he built. So so not the part where they blow up the gate. That wasn't part of it. I don't think maybe, but it was like an aerial shot. Oh, don't they show it just pointing at the gate? No, there's like an aerial shot of the gate blowing up. Really? But yeah, so they they create this uh and the the interior of the gold depository is pretty pretty impressive looking. Right. It's, it's massive. Oh yeah, yeah, we're with all the the fake gold bars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it looks really good. Uh, and that costs like $100,000. It was one of the most expensive uh Right. Presumably they didn't they didn't fill with actual gold. <laughs> I think it was that a, bit been more than, a bit more than $100,000. Unless he just rented the gold. <laughs> can, can you rent that much gold? I don't know. Can you rent gold? Presumably. I mean, I don't know why you would just rent gold bars, though. Yeah, I mean, in a, in its capitalist society, you could probably rent anything, but why? There, there doesn't seem to be much point to renting a bar of gold. I mean, for movies, you could rent a fake one. Yeah, a fake one, but then like, why would you use a real one? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, if I'm not mistaken. This movie is the first appearance of the Aston Martin. Mm. Yes, is... because I, I I believe it when he's getting the Aston Martin, he asks Q, um, where's my Bentley? Yeah, because he, he traditionally drives a Bentley in the books. Yes. Um was there some kind of product placement deal or like did somebody write to uh, fucking uh, Ian Fleming saying that he should fucking drive a Aston Martin? Because I know that like Ian Fleming actually was like fairly receptive to like fan mail. Oh really? So you know how James Bond like the gun he uses is a Walter PPK. Yeah. Apparently, originally James Bond used a Beretta, which is what. Uh, Ian Fleming used when he was in the Navy. Right. But somebody wrote to him and was like, you know, a Beretta is like a really shitty gun. You know, it doesn't have the stopping power of a Walter PPK or whatever. (laughs) And James Bond should use that instead. That's funny. And so, uh, you know, Ian Fleming like took the advice and changed it in the in the later books. That's funny that you should mention that because in the book that I was reading, it like said something about how he didn't know very much about ballistics. Yeah, that makes sense. And he had to defer to other people for that. So yeah, I, yeah, I find it funny that that he he was like very very willing to just like you know uh, listen to the fans <laughs> to like and actually change shit. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think they they must have had a deal with with aston martin because they it was custom built 
uh, for the movie, right, okay. obviously. And, and and ever since, James Bond has always driven Aston Martin. Yeah, that's his, that's his signature car Although, except now. he drove BMWs for a period in the 1990s. Oh, did he? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's bad. Presumably because BMW paid them more money. Yeah, well, that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so but that, there was like a lot of gadgets. This is like the first like super gadgety uh, Bond as well. Like the first right, two yes. weren't as gadget heavy. Like he's got the tracker in this one, the radar, mm-hmm. um, the the car itself. What was on the car? They had the smoke um, bomb. Well, they had the uh, the the blades on the wheels. Yeah, the blade on the wheel, which he uses to fucking run someone off the road for no and reason. Nearly kills her. Yeah, for no reason. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, she tried to shoot him. Oh, was that was after? That's right. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. No, no, fair enough. <laughs> but um, although, oh no, this is just making me remember. Like, uh, he 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 like fucking runs her off the road, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna drive you to like you know, the nearest garage, right?" Yeah. And then and then she grabs his suitcase, and he's like, you know. What's in there? A rifle? I had a case just like that. Yeah. And then she's like, no, it's my ice skates. My ice skates. But it just fucking bothers me because, like, there's no way a fucking pair of skates would fit in that box. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like it's it's a long, thin box. Yeah. I mean, like, you, Dainty, know, you know, leave uh... it to us Canadians to, like, get mad about that. <laughs> but, like, box not fitting ice skates? It's, well... Maybe dainty figure skates. It's possible. The daintiest of dainty figure skates. Like, but, fucking normal figure skates would not fit in there. But just, like, the length and width thing doesn't make any yeah. sense. For- it's like, it's clearly a fucking gun. <laughs> <laughs> or something of that sort. I mean, I, I, I guess to be fair, like, James Bond is having none of it. Yeah, he's like... Like, he clearly knows. Yeah. Um, but anyway the car yeah continuing uh, so he had the the blades on his wheels he had like the bulletproof like thing that came up he had the ejector seats the ejector seat i think is the only thing that didn't actually function like obviously the gun in the front didn't function but it could be made to look like uh it was shooting mm-hmm. because they like routed gas to it so it like looked right. like it was shooting um th- with the uh the smoke bomb they had um you know they just put like in the it put it in the tailpipe mm. um and even the it originally had like a a nail ejector where it like dropped a bunch of nails to pop tires but um asked it was like in- tires and shit yeah hmm. but it wasn't included in the movie because uh it might give give kids quote-unquote bad inspirations that's a weird thing in this movie to take issue with given the other shit exactly (laughs) there's like a bunch of bad stuff in this movie oh yeah the last sorry the last uh detail about the car is the stuntman who drove it is a guy named bob simmons um Mm -hmm. who is like the most one of the most legendary stuntmen in hollywood um he did legendary stunt drivers yeah. Who, what, what else was he in? I don't know. He was well. He's he was always James Bond stuntman. Um, but let's see. Specifically, he um, 
he's the only guy who is not also the lead actor to play James Bond in that opening scene with the gun, you know, where James Bond like Oh yeah, really? Shoots, turns and shoots the gun barrel. Mm-hmm. In Goldfinger, that's Bob Simmons, not Sean Connery. Hmm. Um wait, so was he a, he was just a driver? Or he was generally his stunt double in He was both. Okay. Around this point is when the cast gets brought in, so you get Sean Connery, you get <clears throat> Fruba. Fruba. Get Fruba. Get Fruba. Yeah. You, you have it in the notes, but you didn't put the umlaut on the O. No, I didn't have time for special <laughs> characters. <laughs> Fruba. Get Fruba. Fruba. Yeah, so he was brought in to play Goldfinger. Um, and Goldfinger, the character, is named after an architect, a Hungarian architect. Yes, I think I saw this, actually. Named Erno Goldfinger. Right. Who Ian Fleming apparently hated his work. <laughs> really? So he made him the fucking villain? So he na- he's took his name for the villain. Right. But there don't seem to be any similarities between the real Goldfinger and the character Goldfinger. Right, okay. Here, it says Goldfinger was known as a humorless man given to notorious rages. Really? Well, would any, is there a specific building that he did that uh, was like, you know, that Ian Fleming didn't like? I didn't mention, but I'm just trying to find any building that he did. He apparently built something in... Uh, he built some things in the UK. Trellick Tower? It's disgusting. Yeah. It's not a good-looking building. <laughs> yeah, it looks very 1960s. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, kind of brutalist, but, like... No, but it's, like, not... Uh, it's, like, way more... It looks too impractical to be brutalist. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> what like wh- wh- yeah it's not good yeah it's strange it's definitely strange <laughs> uh but yeah so apparently ian fleming was not a fan no and and so made the uh the villain named after him Ugh. yeah i really hate his stuff i agree i'm yeah. on board <laughs> So you were also telling me something that you noticed about uh, about about Goldfinger, who he looked like. Oh yes, he reminds me so much of former Toronto Mayor Rob Ford. Yeah, no, it's it's hilarious. It's very uncanny the the resemblance. So for those of you who don't who don't live in Toronto, um, you know. Rob Ford was a, a fairly controversial, shall we say, <laughs> former Toronto mayor. Yeah, yeah. Crack Toronto's crack smoking mayor. Toronto's crack smoking. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting period in Toronto's history. Yeah, so look him up. He, he does look quite a bit like Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, similar expression, similar, similar bewildered expression. Mm-hmm. 
Although presumably Goldfinger wasn't, you know, smoking the crack pipe. No, Goldfinger is definitely more coherent. (laughs) (laughs) And his ideas make more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, also apparently all his lines were over or were redubbed. Yeah, yeah, that that's uh that makes a lot of sense, like watching the movie it they 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 all seem like very odd yeah i think it was him who did the dubbing though right was he just like not very coherent on set or something i guess so i I didn't specify that it was him but i kind of assumed it was him that did the dubbing yeah you'd assume but i guess would they have um credited someone if they dubbed his voice I don't know, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, presumably it was him that did it, because like, he was in other movies where he spoke English. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he spoke English, yeah. Yeah. No, what I'm saying, the actor was. Yeah. So it's like, clearly the actor spoke English well enough. Yeah, I don't know. So he was also, funny enough, it wasn't the first film that Gert Fruber and uh, Sean Connery had been in together. Fruber. Fruber. Fluba. Get Fluba. Um, just, just imagine it's like, like Froob. Fruba. Yeah, Get exactly. Fruba. <laughs> um, they were both in The Longest Day. Okay. Uh, which is a good movie. I haven't actually seen it. Oh, it's a really good movie. Okay, maybe I'll check it out. Um... Yeah, so they were both in that together. So then you also have uh, the female casting is just like reading about how they did it. It's just so horrible. Yeah, what did they do? I mean, just like Honor Blackman, who has played Pussy Galore. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, have we even taken a second to talk about the name Pussy Galore? No, I think that that, that's self-evident. Like, come on. Yeah, like, it's it's preposterous. It is. It's just, just come on. Anyway, yeah. she, um, she was hired because she was in the Avengers TV show. Okay. And the book I was reading said that Albert Broccoli was particularly fond of the outfit she wore in that show. Okay. So there you go. Um, but so also apparently she was pussy was gay in the books. Oh yeah, she's like a butch lesbian. So then, how did James Bond possibly convince her to like? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read the book. We could find out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's necessary. <laughs> no, it's not. Um. But they were concerned, like, that they would get censored. Um, right. So they they concocted this fucking harebrained scheme to see if the public would uh, would accept the, the name Pussy Galore. <laughs> oh, oh, so they were worried about the name Pussy Galore. Yeah, they were worried it was going to get cut. So they even... Under, yeah, like... <laughs> I don't understand how he did it. I, I, nor do I. But they were yeah. the backup was Kitty Galore. They were gonna call her. So in the book, she was named Pussy Galore. Yeah, 
Jesus fucking Christ. So stupid. You dirty fucking... Bo- you, you like dirty... Yeah. Dirty old man. Yeah. You fucking... Seriously. Um, Ian Fleming. Yeah. Um, so the, this scheme that they, they cooked up. So the PR guy is a guy named Tom Carlyle. Mm-hmm. He took uh, Honor Blackman to a charity event that Prince Philip was supposed to attend. I think it was Prince Philip. Mm-hmm. So while they were there, Tom Carlyle managed to get them into a photo together. Uh-huh. So then what he did with that with, photo. With Prince Philip. With Prince Philip, yeah. So he gave an exclusive story to a newspaper um, on the condition that they print the subtitle Pussy and the Prince. Right. Wait, did they use the, the whole name Pussy Galore? No, just the the subtitle was Pussy and the Prince. Well, okay, I think there's a big difference. But I'm sure in the article, they were like, who plays Pussy Galore in the upcoming James Bond film? Right, okay, but I that see. the title was Pussy and the Prince. Right, because I feel um, like there's a big difference between just using pussy and, and going full-on Pussy Galore. <laughs> you know, I think there's a big difference there. There is, yes, but... Apparently the 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 galore was not the issue because they just changed it. They were just gonna change it to kitty. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so, but there was a no one seemed to care about the pussy and the prince article. Um. So the producers decided it was fine. So they just went ahead with it, and it right. clearly turned out to be fine. Except everybody who watches it and sees it is like, wait, really? Like everybody ever, like yeah, there's not one person. Who's wait, seen wait, it. what? Really? Yeah. Okay. I like, guess that's pretty straight. Like that's on the nose. Yeah. So yeah, basically that's you know in terms of production, like they shot mostly in uh, Pinewood Studios at the UK, which is like a famous. Yeah, um, where everything ever is shot in the UK. Yeah, and that's where they did the car chase scene. There were like. The... We did it in the studio? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Mm. But obviously at like an increased frame rate to make right, it yeah, look yeah, a little yeah, more. You can tell. Yeah. It's yeah. got that feeling to it. Um, Towards the end, so July 1964, they go to Switzerland for five days to get that, the, that car chase. <laughs> yes. Sequence. Which is interesting, July... 19- You're saying where, uh, when, uh, fucking James Bond runs, uh... Tilly. Tilly Masterson off the road, off right? Off the road, yeah. The book I was reading claimed the white Mustang in that car chase was the first of its kind seen in Europe. Oh, yeah? I don't know what that... I mean, maybe? I mean, maybe because it's, like, the Mustang's, like, an American car. Yeah. Maybe they didn't have them in Europe. I guess so. But, like, what's the deal with Tilly Masterson? Yeah, also like what the whole what the fuck is the entire point of her character? It, like it seems like it's going to be a subplot and then it just goes nowhere and she dies. Yeah, it's it is. It's nothing. Like very soon after being introduced. Like I guess it's supposed to get dark, but like her whole character is terrible. I'm going to guess that there's something in the book that goes into more detail. You're probably right. And then it just didn't like get adapted fully. Yeah, the characters just got were so hollow in the movie. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's like, 
oh, like there's this thing that happened earlier in the movie with uh, with Jill Masterson, and now her sister is out for revenge. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that seems like a subplot that's going somewhere, and then it just doesn't. Yeah, then she just instantly dies. And then she dies. just dies, and that's it. Yeah. And you don't hear anything from the Mastersons ever again. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be interested to know what uh, what the book, what's what's in the book about that. Yeah, anyone Because I suspect the that there's more to it there. Yeah, because otherwise it must be. Yeah. It's like, why would you write it that way, first of all? And then when you're adapting it, why bother adapting that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but like also it, it's another case of like, you know, somebody meets James Bond in the first half of the movie and then they're dead. Yeah. Like, you know, this is like a really common occurrence. And it's like, if if I ever met James Bond, like I would run and fucking hide because yeah. I know I'd be dead by the end of the movie. Yeah, shots are going to start fucking flying. Or hats in Jill's case, um, or Tilly yeah, exactly. Tilly's case. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Tilly. Yeah, because Jill was killed by the gold paint. Yeah, she her she skins died of skin suffocation. T- skin suffocation. Yeah. Tilly got. <laughs> it's kind of unclear if she got her throat cut by the hat. No, I think it was just the blunt trauma. Blunt trauma to the neck. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Maybe it fucking crushed her fucking pipe, uh, and she died instantly. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But yeah, both both Mastersons are dead. Who else dies? Oh, I mean, in this film, I think it's just those two. Half the Bond women die, though. Generally. Yeah, I, I think in this film it's just those two, but yeah. it's a very common thing throughout the the franchise. Yeah. And you know it it didn't stop at any point like it's it uh still happens in the more recent films too. Yeah, they all die. It's weird. Yeah. Really weird. Um so yeah, we're basically done with production. Um Right. Could move on to there's some issues with Goldfinger's plan. <laughs> some. <laughs> there's a plethora of issues. Yeah, I mean, plan. I feel like this comes with the territory of being like a fucking, you know, uh, criminal mastermind. I feel like not all of them are fully mentally stable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like Goldfinger does a lot of things that are like either unnecessary or just like defy logic. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, you know, he doesn't succeed. No, he fails. He comes yeah, pretty like, close, but as we mentioned in the last episode, he's like, he's pretty close. Yeah, like, all it takes is for fucking pussy galore to, like, not, not flip. Not flip, and then everything's... Although, to be fair, it also took, like, there were plenty of times where, like, the... uh they could have just fucking arrested Goldfinger that they didn't. Yeah, it's true, but they wanted to wait till... They wanted to wait, yeah. Yeah. So it's like... They really fucking were all, like, just fucking relying on pussy galore flipping. (laughs) (laughs) She she is the real hero of this movie. Really, yeah, like... He would have gotten away with it if not for that meddling pilot. Yeah. And, like, Like, even... uh, 
even then, she's like, she almost, she's just, she's so important to the plot. She could have just not done it. It's so weird. Yeah, it's true. She could have just not dropped. I guess then they couldn't have arrested him for doing it. Yeah. I, but they didn't arrest yeah. him. He died. Oh, shit. Cause, yeah, he, he got away at first. Sucked out of the play. Yeah, he got away, and then he he, he tried to kill Bond. Why did they even bother to, like, you know, uh, let him attempt the whole thing at Fort Knox? Exactly. Like, why did Why she... didn't they just... They got the confession from Pussy Galore that he was going to try something. So why didn't she just not drop the nerve gas and they could all arrest him? Yeah, they put fake nerve gas, I guess. Yeah, or or nothing. Like, w- they just flew the planes pretending that there was nerve gas in it. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. You know, fucking Goldfinger said he spent, like, the last, what is it, 10 to 15 years of his life planning Operation Grand Slam? Yeah. Like, he clearly, like, forgot... Or or a bunch of things, or just like you know, it relied on a lot of fucking contingencies that like all had to go perfectly. Yeah, it's it's it was such a elaborate, convoluted plan. Yeah, so, many so like parts. Let, let let's go go ahead and like start with like you know, one of the most obvious things, uh, which is like. What was with the whole murdering all the mob bosses? Yeah, like, and explaining his plans to them. Yeah, so it's like, first of all, he gathered all these mob bosses at his uh, place. And it's kind of unclear. Like, they helped import all the stuff that was necessary. Yeah, they helped get everything together. They were part of his scheme, and he was like, he was going to pay them all a million dollars, right? Yeah. So then he's like, oh, I'm going to pay you all $10 million. And then... He like explains his scheme, and then he kills them all. Yeah, like and it's like why bother explaining your whole fucking scheme? Yeah, and then if just murdering them. Why not just kill them all now? And why kill them all? Because I feel like that's a big liability. That's a huge liability. Like they're all these. They're like all of America's top crime bosses, and you're just gonna kill them all at once. Like that's gonna like leave a huge power vacuum, and like you know, make you kind of. I mean, I guess maybe not. A target? I feel like it would make you a target, but... Like, I feel like it would make you a target, yeah. But I guess maybe if you killed every single one. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this is a lot of the kind of shit that, like, you know, Austin Powers makes fun of. Yeah. No, I... Honestly, this movie, Goldfinger, is, like, it's it's prime Austin Powers territory. Well, I mean, that's why they had fucking Gold Member. Gold Member, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of that movie, of those movies, that is, like, doesn't age well and is a bit over the top for... What, the Austin Powers ones? Yeah. But yeah. there is a lot of, like, hilarious on-the-fucking-nose satire that really captures exactly. this movie <laughs> in particular. Well, yeah, like, some of it's just, like... It is literally lifted. It's just so ripe for, like, you know, satire. Like, the scene, it, like, in the opening where um he sees the reflection of the dude about to hit him in the back of the head in the woman's oh, yeah. eye. <laughs> like, they just, they use that exact scene in Austin Powers. And it's, they did, It's yeah. hilarious. Well, and Odd Job, uh, don't they have the other character, Random Task? Who <laughs> is, like, a parody of Odd Job? Yeah, right. <laughs> 
<laughs> but instead of throwing a hat, he throws a shoe. It's, there's some good stuff in there in those movies. You, yeah. you just have to. Maybe we'll cover one of those movies at some point. Yeah, you just have to sift through some of the other. You know, stuff. there's some good old Canadian boys in those. Yeah, the same good old Canadian boy over and well, over again. Well, one good old Canadian boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, in multiple roles. Yeah. But yeah. How did we get into that? Well, we were talking about all the stupid shit in Goldfinger's plan. Right, yeah. And then how Austin Powers kind of makes fun of that kind of shit. Oh, yeah, restricted airspace over Fort Knox. Yeah, that's a good point. Wouldn't yeah, it- it's like... So, how did Pussy Galar's planes not all get shot down immediately? Yeah, they all just started flying over Fort Knox. Yeah, like, fucking right. Like, I know, obviously... Before that, she told the fucking army that this was going to happen and that she was in on it. Yeah, so... But it's like, Goldfinger just thought that they were going to let them through? Yeah, just let them fly over Fort Knox? Yeah, like... No way. I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that. I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to fly over any army base. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) It seems a a bit sketch. Many, many holes in Goldfinger's plan. Yeah. And then, like, also, um, he's flying into the United States with Bond prisoner. And then, what? Does he have to go through immigration? He just landed at his estate. No, no, he didn't. La- they said he landed at a Baltimore airport. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they specifically said it was a port of entry. So, it means he would have had to go through immigration. So, what? He would have had to get his passport stamped. What? Uh, oh, because so, that's how they knew that he was there. That's right. Yeah, no, no. They said he was. Well, they knew he was there because the tracker oh, as right, well. But like, well, but... but they would have found out. And was Goldfinger just thinking that this wasn't going to happen, and they were just going to let him go through anyway? But, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and he, but he's clearly aware because he's he's a smuggler. Yeah. He should know about these things. But it clearly didn't matter. Yeah. And, and they figured it out. Like, also, like, how did he know Bond wasn't going to have a tracker? Yeah. You, you'd think he would assume that they're going to yeah. know where he their guy is. One exactly. way or another. And they do. It's so weird. That they is- do. <laughs> they figure it out. And then they don't do anything because they're just like, oh, yeah. Bond has the situation handled. Oh, he's with a woman. He's got it under control. And he totally doesn't. No. He just gets lucky. Yeah, he he gets... Because his pussy galore saves the day. Exactly. <laughs> it's a shit show, yeah. No, that's... Really, I don't know. The, his whole... The whole... Uh, um, organization is really a shit show. Yeah. Also, just one interesting thing I noticed that was bizarre to me is that Goldfinger, all his companies and all his properties, he uses his first name. I noticed that as well. For them. It's like Auric Enterprises, right? Yeah. It's like... That's not I mean, thing. I guess that's that's just a little strange, don't you think? Yeah, I guess Goldfinger it's would be... It's not Goldfinger just, Enterprises? Wouldn't that be... Would, more, wouldn't that make so much more sense? Like he's openly obsessed know. with gold. Yeah, maybe it was just too on the nose. <laughs> cool. Like, 
wouldn't that just be better, for, even for the movie sake? Goldfinger Enterprises. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think our Goldfinger defies all logic. Yeah, that's another reason he is lumped in with Rob Ford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, should we get? Should we move on? Um. Yeah, I guess. Uh, is there any more? The, is there more issues with Goldfinger's plan? I'm sure there are. Surely, but I don't know if we need to get into them. So, but I think there's a thing we gotta address. Yeah, there's something we gotta talk about. Um. So. Something we gotta get to the bottom of, right? Yeah, yeah. We gotta find um find out a find a a something. <laughs> Welcome to the truth. This is where we find some facet of this piece of cinema. <laughs> and we we dig to the bottom of it. We get you know, to the bottom. We get to the bottom. We either go off the deep end <laughs> or not, I guess. <laughs> or stay uh, firmly in the shallow end. Stay firmly in the shallows. I don't know where are we going this week. This is this is a shallow end episode. D- okay. D- don't worry. There's no. There's no aliens. No aliens this week. Okay. This week. Okay. I figured. Okay. We talk no about... invisible navy ships. No, no. I mean, I really was hoping. There's a couple things I was like looking into that I was like really hoping were true. Um, right. Like. Uh. I mean, no one's tried to break into Fort Knox, um, unsurprisingly. Yeah, I, I assume it would um, just be a bad idea. Then I, I thought maybe gold smuggling, but I mean, it just was too... There was some interesting stuff, but nothing, too, nothing close enough to, to the movie. Mm. But So what we're going to look at this week is I mentioned last episode... Um, that when Ian Fleming was in the military, he mm. during World War Two, he uh, he started a an intelligence unit. Mm. Um, that is called Number Thirty Commando. <laughs> that name sounds very you know very above board. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, it just seems like some kind of like black ops like situation. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. It was like they had uh 30 marines, 30 armies, 30 air force, just like groups of 30. Um mm-hmm. and it was like a special intelligence unit and they would like drop in behind uh behind enemy lines and do covert operations. Um mm-hmm. Ian Fleming was he wasn't like uh, on the ground or anything um no but he was he, he organized stuff and was involved and so for the truth I thought we'd take a look at an alleged because so 
it's all classified, obviously, because it's military World War II stuff. Right. So did they blow up the bridge on the River Kwai? <laughs> yes. <laughs> did they? No, no, maybe. Um, <laughs> but there's only one, like, document that is, like, apparently been uh, declassified, but or not declassified, because you still need special permission to look at it. Um, right. But there's one document about them that there was, like, two books that have been written about this unit based on this one document. Um, mm-hmm. So one of these books uh, compares a uh, a operation that the 30 Commandos undertook with an operation that was written about by uh, John Steinbeck oh. when he okay. was a, a military correspondent. Was he? Yeah, so I'm just going to read a couple excerpts from that because it's kind of interesting, their, their operation. Um, okay, so the John Steinbeck uh, article was called Somewhere in the Mediterranean War Theater. There's a little island very close to the mainland near Naples, which has on it a very large torpedo works, one of the largest in Italy. When Italy had surrendered, the Germans took the island, mined it thoroughly, and ran the detonating wires under the water to the mainland so that they could blow up the torpedo works if it seemed likely to be captured. The Germans left a few guards, heavily armed, and they also left an Italian admiral and his wife as sort of hostage to the explosives planted all over the little island. To a small Anglo-American naval force, a curious, a curious order came. One single torpedo boat was to take on some British commandos who were to go ashore in secrecy, cut the wires to the mainland, kill the German guards, and evacuate the Italian admiral and his wife. Mm. Um, so according to Steinbeck, that all went down in under an hour with no shots fired. Um, but this book goes on to compare it with an actual mission that allegedly comes from that document. Um, mm-hmm. So the real-life admiral's name was Eugenio Minisini. Um but the, to- the torpedo works were not on an island, and there were no German guards to assassinate and no wires to snip, um, as in Steinbeck's telling. Um, in real life, uh, Minisi was in the head of an Italian naval underwater engineering, um, working on a new magnetic pistol, which is a kind of proximity fuse for torpedoes. Um, as well as he was designing a submersible assault craft and midget submarines. <laughs> okay. So, basically, they, like, as you're saying with uh, Operation uh, Paperclip or whatever. So they were trying to kidnap this guy because he was, like, useful to them. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Huh. Because he could design all sorts of, you know... Nice gadgets that James Bond might use. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this I don't know how reliable this book is, to be honest. It's yeah. It seems like a bit of a sketchy book, but 
Well, I mean, nobody can actually check out the original information to figure out what it says, Yeah, you right? need special uh, permission to read really, the documents. It's still classified to this day. I think so. Right. I guess the uh, the British government is, like, you know, fairly tight on those things. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, still sensitive. I'm sure they did some pretty questionable shit. <laughs> Right. Dropping into enemy territory during World War Two. I don't know. Yeah, no, you never know what, what went down. Stuff they don't want to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. But anyway, there you have it. Just a little uh, anecdote from from the real life assault unit that Yeah, I don't know, just that, that whole uh bit reminds me about uh the uh have you ever seen the film The Guns of Navarone? No. Uh, well, it's about a um, basically a commando unit during World War II uh, that basically has to sneak onto this uh, Italian island. Or wait, is it an Italian island or is it a Greek island? But anyway, it's this. Um, it's this. Uh, island in the Mediterranean uh, and they need to like blow up these guns so that the uh, that that it can be attacked right that sounds like a good movie it is a good movie I have it on laser disc uh, sick so it's uh, it, it's starring uh, Gregory Peck David Niven and Anthony Quinn oh sick David um, Niven but yeah I think is that the same guy? Hold on. I think David Niven was one of the guys who... Um, yeah, he considered to be James Bond. Maybe? Ian Fleming wanted him to play James Bond. That's, that's really funny. Sorry. <laughs> that is hilarious. I don't know. I feel like Ian Fleming... Sorry, uh, David Niven is like... Maybe not suave enough. I'm not sure. He did actually play James Bond once. He did? Well... This remember how I said there was two movies. Oh, that... is it Casino the Casino Royale? Yeah, like... exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. A weird nineteen sixty seven Casino Royale movie. It was like a sort of semi comedy movie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was weird. It was like, it was like old James Bond, and it was like implied that the Sean Connery James Bond was like the next generation, and that this James Bond was like the actual. Oh, Ian Fleming, James Bond, but it it was it wasn't done by like all the same people, right? No, it was a different different company, different production company, yeah. right? But anyway, yeah, that was a interesting interesting bit about uh, you know Ian Fleming's World War Two uh, escapades, I suppose. Oh yeah, so it's it's probably time for us to register some of our final thoughts. Our final thoughts, yeah. What? Um, what? Let me lay it on you me. Go first shot. You lay it on me. All right. You know. You know. Obviously, you know this movie is a pretty classic James Bond movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it. It, it very much, very much sets the tone for James Bond. And like you know, uh, I I would say like when I was was growing up, obviously like this. This to me was like, you know, typified 
James Bond, but I mean, also then again, you know, when I was growing up, I was watching a lot of the uh, the Pierce Brosnan movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they were a bit more, uh, you know, current, uh, current for 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 me and you as well, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you know, I think this movie's, uh, you know, classic, but also like really kind of dumb yeah in a lot of ways yeah it, it totally <laughs> like it typifies both like you know everything that's enjoyable at shit by james bond but also everything that's really fucking stupid yeah it does it's like it's it's the fucking epitome of both things yeah <laughs> it is like it, it it's the most refined james bond I think there is in terms of yeah, it's like the it's the uh, it, the platonic ideal of James yeah, Bond. Yeah, like what <laughs> what the pop culture idea of James Bond evolved into. That is the purest form. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's kind of like everything else was like either a play on this or like an evolution of this. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And you know it. it this is kind of like once again this is uh we're talking about uh austin powers as well exactly it's like yeah this is very clearly like the era of james bond that austin powers is digging at exactly yeah and and it's like like we said so many of the gags are just lifted they're not even like adjusted (laughs) yeah they're like barely like you know uh they're barely elaborated yeah like like they're it, they're basically just essentially it's like just Mike Myers doing it. It it's because it's Mike Myers doing it. It's more. It seems more hilarious. Yeah, exactly. But it's just the same thing. It's the exact same bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It it'll it'll be interesting to see like how how this franchise continues. Yeah, like it's it is it, pretty worn. It, it's hard to see how, as it exists, it can continue like this. Yeah. But we'll see. There's a new one coming we'll out. How I might address it differently. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, that's Yeah, that's that's pretty much uh pretty much what I got, pretty much what you got, yeah. That's Goldfinger. I guess we'll come back at you uh next week. Enter his web on